you plant them in the spring, but they're just starting now to have ripened peppers. So you harvest in the fall. In the fall. Plants in the spring and harvest in the fall. <laughs> just like client service. <laughs> <laughs> is this a wrap? This a wrap. That's, this, was well, e- this was easy. Everybody. Welcome to the Human Element, Kara's podcast on modern marketing. I am so excited to have my good friend, Ed Gorman, who is client president of Kara USA. Welcome. Woohoo! Yeah, happy to be here. <laughs> I feel like I'm on the radio. <laughs> you are on the radio. Nice. It's the digital radio. Right on. Yeah. Tell us a little bit, you know, client president, what, what does that mean here? And kind of what is your role? What are all the things your role entails? So here at CARA, we have so many great managing directors. Um, the majority of our accounts are housed with a, with a managing director. So my role is as a point of escalation within those engagements or giving advice or helping people deliver things for our clients. Many of our CARA organic programs are designed around how we could better meet our clients' needs as well as deliver a consistent product from the CARA standpoint. What sort of operational things are you concerned about in that? Not concerned like their issues, but I mean, what are you most focused on? Primarily trust and building mm-hmm. trust with our clients and knowing that we're on their side on every issue and that we're an advocate for them. And that's primarily, I would say, the, the biggest challenge in the last, say, 10 years is that trust has eroded in many places. And I'm you know, proud to say that at CARA, that trust is at the highest it's ever been. You do sort of reporting and and client feedback surveys and whatnot that allow you to kind of get a sense of that. Yes, absolutely. So our our clients, we keep a close eye on how things are going, how we're performing, and soliciting their feedback on an ongoing basis. So client service, how has it changed since you started? And if it is more difficult, in what ways is it more difficult? It's very much the same in the sense that clients are looking for leadership. They're looking for for us to deliver what they want, but more importantly, what they need. So they may ask for something, and we'll have discussions with them about that deliverable. But then we'll also put our own spin on it and deliver to them what we think they need and then provide it as an alternative. In those cases, I feel like that's where we're set up to deliver the most success. And what has changed in terms of client needs? The one thing that has definitely changed is the pace of deliverable. So years ago, there was certain seasons to certain elements of what we do for our clients, whether it's a, a buy season or a plan season. And I would say that those have blurred into like, I would say we're always in the, you know an ongoing optimization season where we're looking to make things better. And that requires sort of different talent? Like how has the talent changed and the talent profile that you look for changed? It's become a lot more diverse, which is a very good thing. So we used to have a certain type of person that would be in charge of accounts. Usually they were, you know, a responsible person, a consistent person, or an inspirational person. And now we need people to be all of those things. And those people are coming from many different sources. Many of them have grown up in the industry, but many of them have come from other types of companies. So a much more kind of open profile to hiring 
external to the industry than maybe several years ago. Absolutely. I mean, as a company, we have, you know, about a thousand people and there's enough media experts here in the room that we, you know, we need a, a different type of person that look at things differently. We're targeting, generally speaking, all people across all of our clients. So understanding all of those different groups of people is important. So we need a diverse profile in order to do that. You can't read a trade or go to a client conference without hearing, you know, questions about insourcing. How have you and your team sort of approached that issue and and what's your perspective on the way to handle it in, in the best way? So so insourcing's been a dynamic now for for actually a long time. It's becoming popular, I would say, in in the trades and and definitely I would say a lot of the larger clients have started to experiment with insourcing. But, you know, many of our small to mid-sized clients have always insourced certain elements because there were things that they just didn't turn to an agency for. So it's not necessarily a new dynamic. It's just new in the sense of, you know, the media is capturing it and larger companies are starting to take advantage of it. From our standpoint, like how we manage it is, we're open to any model and we're looking to help our clients in any way that they need help. And that's actually led to us helping them insource things and then helping them maintain the insource and the maintain the connection to the industry and maintain in the connection to the talent pool. So if, if their needs change or evolve, that we're here to help them. Yeah. That's ultimately our responsibility. Just building upon that, when you, you do a lot of pitching, a, a lot of new business work, how have those briefs changed over time? And specifically in this sort of insourcing area, do you see briefs that sort of say, hey, this is what we want you to do, this is what our in-house team is going to do? Uh, also, can you help us with the new way of kind of integrating those in a, in a different kind of working model or a, you know, a different way of working? Do you see that in the pitch process now? Generally speaking, no, but it is okay. it is growing. It has come up in the pitch process. I would say that the biggest challenge with insourcing is many clients don't understand the full aspect of what it entails, right. the, the long tail activities that are involved in any sort of media planning or buying activity. Right, so they're like, all right, we're going to do this piece, and then it's like, well... These five other things still have to happen. That's right. And we could be there to pick up those five things or we could be there to advise them on how they could do them best themselves. We try to be flexible to meet the the needs of our clients. But again, this is a way that we've been working for, for a long time now. When you think about how much digital has changed everything, but especially the media business, how do you sort of help clients manage that? Because there's such a sliding scale between those who have been doing this for a really long time and are extremely adept at the digital side of the business, whether it's programmatic or what have you. But then there's lots of clients that that are still just getting involved or still just learning about or in some cases haven't even started to participate with some of those things. How do you manage the breadth of what's required there? So the the great thing is uh, as part of a part of CARA, we have plenty of training materials that, and we're, we readily share them with clients or spend time with sessions doing like lunch and learn type activities with them at their facilities with their people or sharing with them white papers or, or other training type materials. Clients are sort of interested in doing that or they feel like it's homework or, or you get everything in between? <laughs> I would say that the, many times they're interested because what they've they've decided or they've determined that there's a real need for it and 
in some instances, they feel like they're behind and they want to catch up. So there's a certain urgency to it, which makes them, I would say, lean in more often. Right. What's the single biggest thing that's changed in your career in this business? I would say the rate of change. And, uh, you know, I, I would say that the exciting thing about this industry, about marketing, about advertising, about media, is that it's always changing. It's just the the pace at which it's changing and the depth in which the guts behind the things are, are all changing so rapidly. It's it's super exciting. So when I used to be in client service and account management at an agency many years ago, there was a joke around sort of the account soup being the most difficult job in the world because it was the intersection of sort of the tactical execution and sort of the the integration of the strategic. A, is that sort of true in your observation? Is there sort of a, a linchpin role in the team where the, the execution side sort of gets plugged into the bigger thinking? Uh, or is that a really dated thing? Have I dated myself terribly? Well, no, so <laughs> what I used to love to say about account management people it would, when I worked at an agency is like, I love account management people, I just don't know how much to tip them. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, but no, the uh, I would say that depending it's on 15% where... 15% in the city, right? Yeah, it was yeah. 18%. It's a- <laughs> 18%. 18 and a half. 20 if you're doing a really good job. <laughs> There's a perform, you know a little prep performance uh, incentive plan for them. But I would say that every role is critical at each stage it just changes Mm. so like from the beginning to the end everyone on the team plays a linchpin role but it matters where you are in that evolution how much harder is it to deal with the financial requirements of clients these days i mean we've obviously seen push out of payment terms and you know there's a lot of sort of particularly with larger clients how much of a headache is that for you and your team, that sort of constant sort of clients in the procurement organizations looking to maximize the agency as a bank. Yeah, well, I mean, it's a balance. So, we, you know, <laughs> we have to balance between the needs of, of the marketing clients and, and their management and then their their coworkers, their colleagues in finance or, or procurement. So it's just one other thing that a good person who's leading a client needs to understand and, and understand what the different influences are or the different requirements are within that process. So it's definitely more complicated than it used to be, but it's I would also say we're better at it than we used to be. Yeah. If you could, in a sort of phrase or a sentence, uh, describe what makes a great client-agency relationship, what what is that? So I would definitely think it's mutual respect, trust, and shared goals. If if those three things are ingredients, then then definitely the outcome is going to be good. And when you sort of talk to your folks, how often do you talk to them about those things? Almost every interaction, (laughs) we we cover those things. And then we, we generally meet on a monthly basis to talk about how we're going to better serve clients, better lead them in the right directions, and then from that, how we're going to build our own business. Is there a client relationship interpersonally that you are most proud of? No, I, I, can't, I couldn't say that. They're, they're all, they're all, they all. You love all your children I equally? Do. I do. Uh, you know, I mean, there's no favorites. I mean, even if you do have a quote-unquote favorite client, that doesn't mean that that relationship can't change yeah. over time. So, yeah, no, it's, it's treating everyone in every situation equally. What is your longest client relationship? 
So it's had to be Pfizer since I've been here. I, I uh, When I first came to Caro, I came during the Pfizer pitch and I was a small part of that pitch. And we were able to retain the Pfizer business and grow the Pfizer consumer healthcare business as part of that pitch. Uh, so we won that consolidation. So that's the longest since I've been here. And how many but, years is that? So that's nine years. Yeah. Yeah, nine years. But we've we've have other clients. So uh, Remax is our client out of the, our Chicago office. They've been a client of Kara's for twenty two years. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow, that's a long time. It is a long. That's time. a lot of homes. It, you know, they've sold millions of homes in that time. <laughs> <laughs> do you write copy too? Yeah, I do. Yeah. <laughs> so let's change gears a little bit. Let's talk about the industry. You know, a lot has been said about you know, do we need to reintegrate creative and media agencies you know has the split gotten to the point where it's actually not that useful anymore because there's such a collision and you know we we do content here at our agency there's a lot of big shops you know Ogilvy for example that has their own dedicated in-house digital media organization what's your perspective on where are we in the pendulum between levels of integration between quote unquote creative shops and media shops Bottom line, I think it comes down to whatever the needs of the organization are, so the client organization. And many clients operate in distinct uh, functions or departments, and those departments and functions prefer having their own agency relationships. And I think until that changes, you know, it'll be based on the actual, you know, the, the structures of the clients. But if the clients are structured in an integrated way where there's one marketing lead who is responsible for all Marcom, then then perhaps an integrated team will be the quickest, most agile way of for him or her to go to market. If you sort of looked in your crystal ball, which I've seen you carry around, by yes. the way. Yeah. It's it's in a bowling ball bag, right? It is. It is. <laughs> When you sort of look ahead to 2020, are there a couple topics that you are most focused on in terms of your clients and, and things you're going to have to work on with them or things that you think we need to provide you know, more significant advice and counsel? Are there, are there some areas where you're like, okay, those, those are spaces we're really going to have to pay attention to? Well, we've been working very closely internally here to evolve our digital operation to be more nimble and more encompassing in how they approach addressability, programmatic, and so forth. We'll be making changes on teams, you know, into next year that, you know, make the teams more streamlined, more effective, more empowered across the, the, the ecosystem of digital media. So that's one thing that we're definitely going to be focused on is, you know, just structurally that we're sound as we move into automation and, mm-hmm. and making processes uh, more streamlined so people can spend time actually with clients or coming up with ideas as opposed to, you know, nurturing systems, which, yep. uh, you know, that's why we have our operations team really focused on on those types of things with systems and RPA or other types of automation. How much are you getting questions from clients around measurement? All the time. I mean, what used to be something that was at the end of the process is more and more coming at the at the beginning of the process. What we've been doing or we've been suggesting with clients is coming up with a measurement framework at the outset of a year or of a campaign to make sure that we're not only focused on the right things, but we're measuring what matters and we're making decisions based on the the business outcomes that we're planning for. What's the one thing that people in our business aren't talking about that they should be? I still think trust is a big topic. 
it's no longer really talked about in the broadest terms, but I, I still think fixing the the system that still permits fraud and you know it's it's still a big deal. I, I saw a recent report that you know people are saying that it's twenty two billion dollars in ad fraud each year globally, and you know I can't think of other industries that have that big of a problem and are not addressing it with urgency. Yeah, that's a great point. I saw a thing this morning. I'm not going to get this right, probably, but something like over 80% of fraud originates in China. That's correct. Yeah, I read the same thing. Like maybe even 87? So yeah. It was like a media yeah. post thing? Yeah. That's crazy. It is crazy. And again, we you're right. Conference after conference, we talk about it's going to be ad week yeah. in a couple of weeks, and we're going to talk about it again. Yeah. And yet here we sit in year, I don't know, 10 of this discussion. Yeah. Uh, and maybe year three or four of it being really acute, where are we going? No, so our, our group here has taken a lot of actions. We are one of the few agencies that are tag compliant. I believe it means that almost every impression that we place is, is screened for, you know, not only viewability, but for fraud and so forth. You know, I have to hand it to our, our teams that are staying on the forefront of that because, uh, you know, that's just unacceptable. Yeah, it's a real issue. When you kind of look backward in your career, because we do... We do a little bit on career stories on this podcast. Are there key sort of forks in the road in your own career that that were significant? Uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, there was a time where I spent most of my time internationally, and I spent you know like a lot of time on airplanes and visiting countries and trying to solve problems or create opportunities in, in different geographies. And I would say that changed pretty significantly in the role that I have now. So I'm pretty much U.S. focused exclusively. I do get involved in some things internationally if it, if there's a you know an American client in origination. Yeah, I say that was definitely a, a fork in the road, you know, where I made a decision to spend more time domestically. Getting out of the airplane business. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean that in that phase of my career, I learned a ton about not yeah. only media but also the world and I, I feel very uh, blessed to have gone through that. What are you most proud of in your career? The, this podcast, this <laughs> definitely this podcast. So it took ten and a half for you to yeah, like, yeah. really let it this let is, it go. This is like my walk off home run right here. <laughs> Do you have one thing that sticks out? Is there something that you're most proud of? No, I mean, there's tons of things. I mean, I would think, you know, like I could point to new business wins yeah. or promotions or things like that. But I honestly think it's the relationships that I've forged. I, you know, I have like so many great friends and colleagues, you know, people that maybe I've only interacted with a few times, but they were all so positive that I'm sure if I picked up the phone and said, hey, I need your help, right. you know, they they would be there for me and and I would for them. So uh yeah, I, I would say the relationships that I've I've made over the last couple decades have been outstanding. So by very nature, not your own age obviously, but by the very nature of your team, you have a lot of younger people in your extended team. What advice do you give them? You know, it's it's funny. I just my my kids are actually they're working now. Mm -hmm. So my uh, older son had graduated university last year, and my daughter's done internships. I've written up like a three page thing with everything from, you know, be ten minutes early to meetings to you know to send thank you notes yep. or you know all those things. So at work, I try to 
learn more than teach. So with the younger people, I, I don't try to, ha- you know, have a, a posture of like, oh, let me let me teach you how to do that the right way, young, you young whippersnapper. Uh, you know, so I, I try to learn from them. Right. But I try to lead by example more so than, you know, like like with my kids, I could write it down and say, hey, do these things and you'll be successful. I stop short of doing that at the office and I just try to lead by example. A couple things in that. One, I'm pretty sure that that three-page thing we could turn that into a, a merchandisable. Like I'm, I'm all over that content. We're going to get a hold of that content, and we are going to publish Ed's advice to you know interns, inbound, young, career-oriented professionals. Can't believe- like one of the things, and it's a simple thing: pick up the phone as opposed to sending an email. Like that's like a Amen. big right. Is that and in the list? It sure is. You know, and the list is not like ranked from you know no, best to worst. It's just stream of consciousness. I took a couple hours one night and did it, and. Uh, all kidding aside, I'd love to see it. Yeah, no, I would. I'd be happy. I'm to going share. to send it to my son today. Yeah, exactly. So to that point, though, you know, and I look. I, I don't mean to make this to Gen X guys talk about generations. That's not where I'm headed. But the fact is, there are material generational differences between consumption. Of, you know, consumption of information, presentation of information, receptivity to feedback. Like all those things are are very generationally different, right? So. Mm-hmm. How do you try to keep people together when there's such a vast, different way that people kind of approach that stuff? So I, I think it all starts with having, you know, like common goals of like what you're mm-hmm. trying to achieve. And because it's one thing that you could always take people back to that point, say, hey, we're all here together today to do this, mm. right? And there'll be different tactics or different approaches to get people to to deliver on that. But knowing that that's the end goal, that generally speaking, it keeps people on the right path. All right, we're going to jump into last question and then lightning round. You should get excited for the lightning round. Okay. And, and just a little bit, just pump it up a little more. Okay. <laughs> there we go. Last question. Why do you love this business? And I don't mean Kara, I mean the industry. You know, I love this business because it, it is exciting. It is multidimensional. It is ever-changing. It is, you know, it's so dynamic. You know, one day I, I had a meeting this morning talking about massages and how do we make this client that we have, you know, they're they're branching out into different services. So they're they're becoming, you know, more of um, you know, just an overall wellness. They do mm. facials and massages. Right. And then, you know, like next week it's financial services. Right. The week after it could be consumer packages. Sure. I just love the diversity of it and the people and the energy. It's just awesome. I would say the first like, I don't know, five years I was doing this. If you asked me, are you going to be doing this in another 20 years? I would have been like, absolutely not, right? <laughs> but like, it, but it, it just, I kept seeing, you know, as you become more involved in it. And it's like anything, the more you put into it, the more you get out of it. Sure. And that's what I saw. It, it wasn't where my other friends were talking about retirement. You know, like my colleagues were talking about starting our own company. Mm. You know, I was very fortunate to be part of like two organizations rising up from basically nothing to become number one in their fields. And it's super energizing and exciting. And why do you love Kara? 
I would say it's a democracy. You know, like we all have a say in it. I mean, yeah. our the survey that comes out, you know, those things are actioned. And, yeah. uh, you know, I've never really worked at a company where, you know, they were more like just top down. Yeah. Where this is, it's it's more bottoms up. It's definitely reconciled top down for sure. the best interest of the organization and the commercials. But, you know, like we as a company, I think, have a lot of fun and it shows in our work and then it shows in the way that we attract clients. I think you're right. I think that's a really good summary. It's funny you mentioned the survey. I've never worked anywhere where we did an employee survey twice a year. Right. And, and we action it, right? And we, we do. do. And yeah. I, I'll be honest with you, between you and I, I still think that's a little frequent. But we are deeply committed to it. We are mm-hmm. deeply committed to twice a year we're taking the pulse and then we're going to do action plans. And I mean, it's it's pretty impressive, actually. Oh, well, I'll, t- I'll tell you one other thing, too. Our values, like as yeah. you know, the, our values as a company. Every other company has values. And if you look hard enough in their handbook, you can find them. Our company, we evaluate people based on living the values. That's mm. every employee every year. Yep. So there's no, you know, there's no jerks that work here, which makes it very pleasant for people to come spend several hours a day, right? Yeah. All right, you ready for the lightning round? I am so ready. <laughs> <laughs> Favorite digital experience, application, website, whatever. I love going to the cinema, so I would say 3D movie. 3D movie? Yep. And what do you love about it? The immersive, like the all in, you know, like I'm away in that land. Best piece of content recently consumed can be anything, pod, book. So I'm embarrassed to say that I'm not going to remember the name, but it was put out by Patagonia about plastic in the ocean. And I think it was called Plastics People. If you search it, uh, I'm sure you find it. It, It's wonderful. Like, you know, of course you think of, you know, any kind of litter or or pollution as being bad, but I didn't realize the magnitude of it. And then what people are doing, the ingenious ways that they're solving to get rid of it. It's fascinating. Now, is it a movie short or like a pamphlet or a it, it's, it's on their website, it's on so the website. They, okay. they publish a lot of content. Yeah, they do. It, and it's really well done. One it's of my really favorite well brands. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. One last Patagonia question. You're an avid surfer. Yes. Avid. Yep. Is Patagonia your sort of wetsuit brand? So I do actually have one uh, Patagonia wetsuit brand. They came out with a new, I think it's called Ulex. It's a plant-based neoprene that doesn't use any petroleum in the process of building it. So Interesting. Yeah. So um, favorite social media platform? I would say the one I use the most is Instagram. And why? You know, it's just uh, the four, I like the format. Yeah, I don't know why. Are you a bit of a photographer? I like imagery, yeah, for sure. I'm not a photographer. You had a beautiful sunset picture the other day. Oh, thank you. Or sunrise, I don't know which it was. It was a sunset. Thank you for noticing. I pay attention. I'm all over the Ed feed. Nice. Uh, You and the 28 other people. (laughs) That's right. I've already resigned myself to the fact that Insta for me is not going to be a big footprint. I missed the age curve somehow. Favorite band? Huh, wow. Favorite band? I would probably say is Steel Pulse. Really? Mm-hmm. Right now, anyway. You know, I don't have like an all-time favorite band. Yeah. I was just listening to their music yesterday, and I think they're very uh, they're very good. I'm, I'm, I'm big reggae, so I like Damien Marley, Stephen Marley, Steel Pulse. That's the type of music I like. Album that defined your teenage years? Oh, wow. Probably Rolling Stone, Some Girls. Hmm. Good album. It is very good album. Best career advice you've either given or received? Show up and suit up is is pretty good advice. Like you don't have a seat at the table if you don't participate. Mm-hmm. So um, I would say 
participate and uh, and give it your all. Hmm. Thing people should know about you, but they don't. Wow, that's a tough one. We ask tough questions here on the podcast. Yes, you do. It's an important media outlet. <laughs> the uh, I <laughs> the one thing that I, I actually I'm very proud of is uh, like I'm an avid swimmer, so hmm. I've saved several people from drowning. Have you really? Yes. Were you a lifeguard or you were just in the water? Uh, both. So uh, when I was younger, I was a lifeguard, but the th- skills that I learned as a lifeguard, I've applied in my adult life. So I have I've uh, seven people I've saved from drowning. Seven? Yes. Jesus, Ed, that's like yeah. significant. Yeah. Wow. Pretty good. That is, <laughs> I tell you what, that <laughs> is so much better than the 0.0 people I've saved from anything. <laughs> I like to take it out. You well, know, the, with this podcast, points. we are definitely saving people from boredom, <laughs> I would think. Right? <laughs> At this point, yes. Yeah. Yes, for sure. Ed, thanks so much for coming. I can't thank you enough. Oh, my pleasure. Well, hey, that's another human element. Thanks so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Don't forget to find us anywhere you find your pods or Perish the Thought. Subscribe or give us a like. And we'll be back out to you real soon. <laughs>